about stories, storytelling, folklore, fairy tales and other things that have caught our interest. I'm Emily Collins. I'm Oyla Devlin. I'm Georgia Doyley. And we're here, sitting in my kitchen, watching the sunset with the door, dogs, doors? With the the dogs near us, probably about to start to snore. And we're going to talk to you about... The Devil. El Diablo. So there is a lot in this one. And I I think we're going to have to revisit it. Because there's so many different aspects of the devil and folklore and mythos around the the devil figure and stuff that is basically fan fiction about the devil, but has become sort of (laughs) canon. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is an interesting way to look at it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we we looked at some some devil stories Mm -hmm. and uh, he's a... He's not always bad. No, no, no. I think no. he's more like of a trickster, like an imp yeah. or yeah, something. Yeah, he's, he's kind of fun. Uh, n- normally male, though. Oh, yeah. Though yeah, there, yeah, there yeah. are some where the devil's granny shows up. Really? Yeah, the devil's grandmother is a is sort of a theme and a character that occasionally pops up. Uh, Would that not be God's granny as well, like? Maybe. If we're going, do you know? This I is don't... where it gets real confusing. Yeah. Because, like, well, well, if you go that, like, uh, like, the whole sort of, like, Milton Paradise Lost, the fall thing, that then God created the devil, so God is kind of the devil's dad. Yeah. So then the devil's granny would be God's mum. But, like, yeah. Is that the Holy Ghost? Or the Holy Ghost? <laughs> I, I always know. get confused. I don't know. I'm, I am now just um, thinking of that Eddie Izzard bit. His clarinet teacher's voice ends up being the voice of God telling him to get up. You're going to miss the best part of the day. He's like, no, mother, I cannot miss the best part of the day because I have not yet created the day, so I have not created uh. the best part of the day. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, um, so yeah. Now, now I'm just picturing Eddie Izzard as God's mom. <laughs> yeah, weird. Uh, yeah, so the devil's granny shows up in some folklore, uh, and she's the one who's able to get the better of him. Ah. And she will normally help the young hero or heroine to trick the devil because they're very nice and polite, and they're a lovely young person. Oh, is he doing what to you? Oh, oh well, we can't let him away with that. <laughs> so the devil's granny is actually. Sound. It's yeah, actually quite the, nice. The devil's granny is pretty sound. I mean, to be honest, the devil is kind of sound in a lot of these stories. Yeah. <clears throat> this is what I always feel find interesting about it. Um, is that you sort of I'm gonna bring up this thing I was thinking about earlier. Um, when it comes to the sort of like regular sort of Christian informed view of the devil and God, from what I've sort of like I guess been brought up with, is that God is kind of more the law and order and justice and structure, whereas the devil is more the chaos and the unknown. Mm. And so what I find interesting about that, and yep, I'm going to nerdify here, it's kind of like the light side and the dark side, the Jedi and the Sith. Jedi <laughs> are very like ordered, Sith are kind of chaotic, but neither really can work on their own. You need to have a balance yeah. of both. And so you have to have order and chaos in order for it you to You need the Joker work. and Batman. Exactly. 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 Yeah. If the Lego movie taught us anything. <laughs> <laughs> Still haven't seen the second one. Yeah, I haven't seen the second one, but the the Lego Batman film is I, it good? I haven't seen yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think it might be one of my best. Uh, my, one of my best. I don't know. <laughs> one of my favorite. One of my favorite incarnations of uh, the Batman universe. Wow. And, uh, the wow. meta commentary. I I I like it. Great. I'll have to check it out. Me too. There you go. Shadow Hot endorsed. Tips. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, are we getting paid for this? No, no. no. Yeah. We could get Lego as a sponsor. Um. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. That'd be nice. No, I I. I liked playing with my, my, my mum and my 
uncle's old Lego because it was big Lego. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you know? Play- I don't oh, know. It was maybe not. it was the Lego they had as kids, so it was, mm. it was quite old. But the block, maybe it was just because my hands were smaller, but the Lego <laughs> blocks now, they all seem very small and tiny. Yeah, they do. Whereas these were like big, if you want to swallow this, you're really going to have to try. Yeah. <laughs> Lego. Okay, no, Duplo, you couldn't, you couldn't, no. I was reading up about the devil and sort of, again, the Christian iteration of the man himself. And apparently in the Bible, he's not really seen with horns that that much. He he's not really show up that much in the Bible. He doesn't really show up that much, and then twice, maybe twice. And I think it's one of those times that he's said to have like horns on his head, like the the ram, the goat type of thing. And apparently that comes from the Greek mythology oh. side of oh, things. Yeah, there's a lot of influence of Pan. Yeah, exactly. Pan and the devil, like the the goat's legs, the horns, the yeah having the best tunes having the best tunes having the best crack so it kind of then ties back into like well is the devil really inherently evil or was it just Just like the chaotic the chaoticness and like um even bacchus was supposed to sometimes be seen with horns and he's not evil like he's he's class he's he's, he's actually kind of a little bit tragic a little bit tragic but like he's he's my spirit animal (laughs) (laughs) he he he, he never has fulfillment and he never has love he's sort of he's always looking for something and he can never quite find it and he's then tasked with debauchery yeah and then sort of you turn to that to these pleasures and to try to fill the hole and they they want to fill the hole because Bacchus Bacchus's heart Aww. Bacchus needs a hug oh he does oh god that got really real sorry yeah. quickly. I didn't know this about Bacchus I just knew the paintings <laughs> But he has a great time doing it, I swear. Yeah, I mean, he has a bit of fun at it. Yeah, he yeah. does. Bacchus and Dionysus are the same, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Bacchus I, is... I was just thinking, hang on, have I, have I got the wrong god? <laughs> yeah, because Dionysus... Yeah, yeah, like they're the god of wine yeah. and festivals wine and... and, festival and... Theatre. Theatre. Yes, theatre. <laughs> yeah, so that's apparently where it comes from, the hooven, hooven oh, feet and yeah. and big old horns. Yeah, but, uh, on the, uh, on the, on, we're not going to spend too much on the biblical devil, but he... He shows up when Jesus is having his his moment in the wilderness, yeah, um, to sort of tempt him, and then he sh- I think he shows up once in the Old Testament or Satan, because Satan just means adversary. Yeah, so there were multiple Satans, but sort of the Lucifer guy shows up to to a guy who's being mean to his donkey, <laughs> <laughs> which I, I think it's Balaam. I could be wrong, but he uh, for, for there's various things going on, and he's been tasked to uh, to travel somewhere. So he's traveling on his donkey and. A sword-wielding angel appears in the middle of the road, but the man can't see it. But the donkey can, because the donkey's, you know... The donkey is blessed. Yes, the donkey is blessed, and the donkey is smarter than the wise man. And so the donkey keeps trying to stop and swerve, and the guy's like, come on, you stupid ass, and kicking the donkey and beating it. And eventually the donkey goes, stop hitting me! (laughs) And at this point you'd think, talking donkey, I'm either in a a Shrek spin-off, or I need to assess the situation, something (laughs) unnatural is going, but the guy keeps... Going, I'm gonna hit you, donkey, unless you go. And the angel appears, sort of takes off whatever was making the guy not be able to see, and says, "Stop hitting your donkey. If the donkey kept going the way you wanted, you would have been impaled on my sword." Good donkey, and that's it. Again, see, very, like... very much a Cliff Notes version. Right? Yeah. See, that's that's just it because he's like he sort of goes fair cop. Yeah, your donkey got me, and yeah. I, I'd really rather you didn't keep hitting it because yeah. you I... got this completely wrong. Yeah. <laughs> oh, who was the guy who? They were having chats and God was like, oh, isn't he a great fella? And uh, maybe this is his third appearance, I think Lucifer <laughs> or Satan or whatever says, ah, oh, yeah, but he's, uh, he's, had, he's got like nothing to complain about in life. Like, let's see what would happen if, you know, 
all of his family died and all of his money went away. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's, what's that fella's name? I'm going to interrupt my half-remembering of biblical stories to say that it was Job. I don't know, we, I went to a Catholic okay. school, we focused mostly on the New Testament. Yeah, 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 so yeah same here. I just skipped ahead to Revelations where it got interesting. Weird, like crazy. Oh, yeah. He, he's on something. Yeah, he's, he's having a bad. He's having a bad time. <laughs> or he's trying to be. He's a an angsty teenager who's trying to write like a dark fantasy. Oh, I much prefer that. That yeah, that's yeah. an alternate universe I can get behind. Uh, so one or the other revelations. Yeah. Bad. bad. <laughs> the interesting thing though, when it comes to this idea of Satan or the devil or Lucifer, whatever, in the Bible is now. You know, look, I'm no academic, but the fact that like we have been handed down so many different translations from different mm. languages different people translating it and, and like there must have been a lot that was either lost in translation or gained in translation yeah. you know so it's and again like you know when we're looking at this text it's like how historic is it how made yeah. up is it um, well, uh, i was watching a great a great documentary by andy hamilton so if you're a, if you're a radio four fan you'll probably recognize that name the guy with the voice yeah, the, the one man with the one voice. Uh, he, he also wrote the radio series Old Harry's Game, which is set in hell with a very world-weary, cynical devil in it. But he made this documentary on sort of like tracing the devil, where did this image of the devil we have come from? And in it, he was talking about how basically the, the figure of the devil we know was kind of made up in sort of early centuries of the church because they realised the story needed a villain and people were asking a couple of questions they couldn't really explain. So like, well, the devil did it <laughs> how did the devil do it well the devil god can't have made the devil because you know that would mean that god was making evil and that just doesn't sound right uh the devil rebelled <laughs> and yeah and then a couple of years later uh, a poet in england decided oh yeah i'm gonna write that it's gonna be an epic yeah. oh i've got this phrase better to to rule in hell than serve in heaven i want to work that in somewhere <laughs> and, uh, but paradise lost yeah, yeah. and then over in Italy, uh, Dante was writing his, his infernos and comedies. and Good old Dante. Yeah, all oh, those yeah. circles. Yeah. Wheels within wheels. Yeah, I love that. Is it the line at the end of Dante's Inferno where he's talking about when he comes back to the surface and he, he comes out and he's obviously been through a bit of an ordeal. He's been through <laughs> a couple circles hell. of hell. A little bit. Um, <laughs> and he, come, he, he says something like, I came forward and once more beheld the stars or something like that. It's this be- beautiful moment of just being able to be like, okay, I've come out of this traumatic experience mm-hmm. and I look up and it's like, I know where I am and I'm okay. I just, I, I just think it's to a be honest, I, uh, I, I did try reading the Divine Comedy when I was a pretentious teenager and mm-hmm. gave up. Same with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I scoured my local library for a copy of it and everything, and I got to I don't know, maybe page four, and uh, I had to I had to give up. I got they were um, he he he'd met Virgil in purgatory, and they're wandering through, and uh, I think we got middle of the second circle, and I was just like, I've yeah. Can't be having this. I feel like I should give full disclosure. I've never read it. I've only read <laughs> excerpts. I came across that quote in a book called Darkness Visible. Can't remember the author's name. Yeah. So if anyone <laughs> has read the Divine Comedy, either in translation or in the original Italian. Good for you. Uh, yeah, know. very good for you. <laughs> yeah. Medieval Italian. Well yeah, done. I know I know the, the Trinity Italian department are very fond of their Dante. So they are. Any yeah. any Trinity mm. Trinity Italian students out there? Hello. Uh, <laughs> ciao. Shout out. Um, yeah, so uh, this figure of the devil through various forms of literature and medieval fan fiction came about <laughs> and 
wound up in folklore as well folklore and fairy tales yeah, yeah so very we've, uh, interesting we've found some stories of that and he is more of a he's more of a trickster figure yeah mm. and he's a he's not bad no i I quite like him actually i think he'd be good crack yeah is that yeah. So heresy <laughs> maybe a little, bit. <laughs> a little bit so what's uh, what's your devil story um my devil story uh combines my two greatest loves in life um evil and cats Nice. Oh. Of course. <laughs> of course, and it's by Wait, Lit- hang on. Uh, Orla said that. Orla associated cats with evil. It wasn't me. No, 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 no. No, no, no. It's about a devil cat. Okay? So one half is evil, the other half is just a good cat. Good kitty. Okay? Well, tell, tell I will not have any of your dog propaganda just here. A chaotic kitty. A chaotic yeah, kitty. So my story is by Lady Wilde. Who oh, we all know and love. Oh, indeed. Um, Mother of Oscar. Oscar's mammy. But that's she's it. her own woman. She should not just be defined as her son, even though I just defined her as her son. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so she was also a writer. And she wrote, what was it, mostly kids' books? Was that what uh, she, you said? She wrote a load of stuff. Um, she wrote a lot of stuff in her youth under the pen name Speranza. Ooh, oh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I love she, it. She wrote... Uh, she wrote uh, fiction. She wrote translations of uh, other novels. She uh, wrote a couple of political essays, and uh, and she and her husband they sort of almost as a hobby took up folklore collecting, and then her husband died and she realised I need to make some money, and so she started publishing her stuff. Yeah, I I like her stuff though because um it feels very unedited. Yeah, it's like a lot of the time in folks in folk stories they sort of they, they don't have quite a conclusive ending, so in a, some of her stories it's like. And this just happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you will you will see that in, in this uh, yeah. <laughs> story here as well. The Devil, the Demon Cat by Lady Wilde. There was a woman in Connemara, the wife of a fisherman, as he had always good luck. She had plenty of fish at all times stored away in the house ready for market. But to her great annoyance, she found that a great cat used to come in at night and devour all the best and finest fish. So she kept a big stick by her and determined to watch. One day, as she and a woman were spinning together, the house suddenly became quiet, dark, and the door was burst open as if by the blast of the tempest, when in walked a huge black cat, who went up straight to the fire, then turned around and growled at them. Why, surely this is the devil! said a young girl, who was by sorting fish. I'll teach you how to call me names, said the cat, and jumping at her, he scratched her arm till blood came. There, now, he said, you will be more civil another time when a gentleman comes to see you. And with that, he walked over to the door and shut it close, to prevent any of them from going out. For the poor young girl, while crying loudly from fright and pain, had made a desperate rush to get away. Just then a man was going by and hearing the cries he pushed open the door and tried to get in but the cat stood on the threshold and would not let anyone pass. On this the man attacked him with his stick and gave him a sound blow. The cat however was more than a match in the fight for it flew at him and tore his face and hand so badly that the man at last took to his heels and ran away as fast as he could. Now it's time for my dinner said the cat going up to examine the fish that was laid out on the tables. I hope the fish is good today. Now don't disturb me nor make a fuss. I can help myself. 
With that, he jumped up and began to devour all the best fish while he growled at the woman. Away out of this, you wicked beast, she cried, giving it a blow with the tongs that would have broken its back, only it was the devil. Out of this, no fish you have today. But the cat only grinned at her and went on tearing and spoiling the de- and devouring the fish, evidently not a bit the worse for the blow. On this, both the women attacked it with sticks and struck hard blows enough to kill it, on which the cat glared at them and spit fire. Then, making a leap, it tore their heads and arms till the blood came, and the frightened women rushed shrieking from the house. But presently, the mistress returned, carrying with her a bottle of holy water, and looking in, she saw the cat still devouring the fish, and not minding. So she crept over quietly and threw holy water on it without a word. No sooner was this done than a dense black smoke filled the place, through which nothing was seen but the two red eyes of the cat, burning like coals of fire. Then the smoke gradually cleared away, and she saw the body of the creature burning slowly till it became shriveled and black like a cinder, and finally disappeared. And from that time, the fish remained untouched and safe from harm. From the power of evil, one was broken, and the demon cat was seen no more. Now, was that a demon cat or just a normal cat? No, Emily, okay, it was obviously possessed, right? Oh, was it? Obviously possessed. No cat will ever do that. Really? Cats are great. Cats are great. You've heard it here first. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> mm, if you say so. I feel like I should be the mediator because I kind of like both. Well, it's not that I like like dogs or cats. I like specific dogs and specific cats. And well, then... that's just rude. <laughs> you were just rude. <laughs> So is that is that the devil in the form of a cat? Do you think, or is that a cat who was possessed by some evil spirit? Um, to me, it was the devil in, in the form of mm. a cat. I think because you often get like things like witches' familiars mm-hmm. being cats and then being given to them by the devil. Yeah, and having some sort of demonic connection and then suckling off them, drinking their blood. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, the, um, like the one of the witch finding things was to look for the witch's teat, which was a small. Well, it, it was basically anything they decided was a witch's teat. A so mole or a... It could be a mole yeah. or it could be a part of your body that was... A small part of your body that was unusually sensitive or a part of your body that didn't feel pain at all. So basically anything they decided... Yeah, we're going to say that you're a witch. I can't I, say that. No, that's no, not PG. No, that's not... That yeah, too. no, 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 that's not <laughs> PG. Reason, but the, the oh, idea boy. was that the, the familiar would, would suck blood from this or sort of blood instead of milk and... Yeah, so yeah. devil cats drinking human's blood. And and more power to them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do think I but to me it was like it was uh the devil because it disappeared. Do you know what I mean? Like there wasn't the body of the cat left over or anything. Mm. Do you know? Mm. But having said that, cats are class. So that's it. But yeah, like I see what you mean, what you were saying about like it's very unedited, you know, it's not as yeah. like refined as some of the, the stories that yeah that we come across because it's like and then this woman and then this woman and it's like who are all these people and then it just ended speaking of unedited and unrefined (laughs) in my big green book my 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 treasury (laughs) treasury Treasury of irish fairy tales published by i think you know uh by barnes and noble oh wow it's a it's it's it's, i love this there's just there's a small there's a section of like stories with devils the demon cat is in it as well oh is it but there's just this one 
uh, it's just called The Devil. It doesn't say who collected it, but uh, I'm just going to read you this because it's, well... <laughs> An old male woman told me one day that something very bad had come down the road and gone into the house opposite. And though she would not say it was, I knew quite well. The other day she told me that two friends of hers had been made love to by one whom they believed to be the devil. One of them was standing by the roadside when he came on horseback and asked her to mount up behind him and go riding. When she would not, he vanished. The other was out on the road late at night waiting for her young fella, sorry, her young man, when something came flapping and rolling along the road up to her feet. It had the likeness of a newspaper. And presently, it flapped up onto her face and she knew by the size of it that it was the Irish Times. (laughs) All of a sudden, it changed into a young man who asked her to go walking with him. She would not, and he vanished. I know of an old man, too, on the slopes of Ben Bulban, who found the devil ringing a bell under his bed, and he went off and stole the chapel bell and rang himself out. It may be that this, and that others, was not the devil at all, but some poor wood spirit with cloven feet who had got himself into trouble. (laughs) Yeah. Don't trust the Irish Times. Yeah, I just, yes. I just, that's it. I just that's love it. that image of uh, something that had the shape of a newspaper. <laughs> and you, by looking at it, she knew it was the Irish Times. You know when you have a mad dream and yeah. none of it makes sense that. I yeah. Like if you've had like an Epsom bath or a magnesium or something and it's just yeah. crazy. Mental. Like, yeah. yeah. It but just, it, yeah, to me it sounds like just some old lad talking to you in a pub. Just being <laughs> like, and you know what? She saw something that looked like a newspaper. And I think it was the feckin' Irish Times and all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that, that bit at the end of it, um, uh, it may be that this, like others, was not the devil at all, but some poor wood spirit. Uh, a lot of these stories, you could sub in the devil for the fairies or whatever mm. local yeah. trickster sp- supernatural thing you've got going around. And in some of the stories, like in some of the grim stories, uh, they either take the devil out to throw in a wicked fairy or something, or they uh, they take out incestuous relatives and chuck the devil in to blame mm. him. Oh. It's interesting that like so frequently it does seem like a lumping together of, of sort of, of evil acts or bad things yeah. and that it's sort of I don't know, like, to me, it's like, it's trying, sorry, Mike is over here. <laughs> it's like trying to simplify um, what we perceive to be evil, because I suppose, like, evilness, as we perceive yeah. it, is kind of the unknown. So it's mm-hmm. an act that we can't comprehend how or why someone would do it. And there's so many, it takes so many different forms. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, you know, it makes us feel a little bit safer to be like, devil, this yeah. thing, yeah. right here, he's responsible for yeah. all this. Though I always felt like, it really bothered me as a child when I heard about the devil because I was like, surely that's kind of just an excuse. Like, oh, yeah. the devil made me do... Yeah, yeah it always, is. Like, it that is was excuse. That was shortly before but I realised uh, that God stopped believing in me before yeah. I stopped believing in God. Oh, no. <laughs> that's dark. My questioning point. Yeah. But it is interesting sort of how culturally that that bad unknown will be given a different thing. And yeah. I think I mentioned it in The Witches that Bob Curran uh, has this quote at the beginning of his book on Irish witches uh, about um, to Catholics they're fairies, to devils, to Protestants they're devils. Sorry, mm-hmm. To Protestants Ooh. they're devils. Yeah. Not to devils they're Protestants. <laughs> you know, I've been watching too much Dairy Girls. Uh, but that in a lot of things where you get sort of these these fears of the devil appearing to people and it's sort of reformation and particularly in places where there is a strong uh, sort of, generally it's Protestantism. I mean, there, are, there were Catholic witch chances and things, but a lot of the like, the famous witch hunts where 
always the devil would show up and it was the devil made me do it but I kind of wanted to do it anyway yeah yeah, yeah. it was uh, all the Puritans it was a lot yeah. of like the Puritans and things and they seemed yeah. to sort of have this fixation on the devil and the devil coming and doing things and the devil manipulating women because they secretly wanted to oh. do them themselves yeah. and is it kind of I, I guess this is crossing over just like almost political theory but is it that kind of like creating that enemy to unify yeah, I think the so. other people I guess I think so yeah, yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. And it, it was a complete sort of um, throwing away of, a, of any paganistic symbols yeah. and yeah, paganistic. Because, uh, like uh, Catholics yeah. have loads of saints and things, and in like Ireland and Scotland and things, there's the fairies, and there's a huge sort of crossover between the pagan belief and the catholic belief but then when it comes to the fairies as well it's not like a setup of good and evil again it's it's like it's much more complex than it's that. just the yeah. fairies it's just yeah, it's, just it's the, the fairies. Sort of, yeah like mm. it's the embodiment of chaos and, and it's just yeah it's just the devil doing yeah. the, the devilly things and the thing is in a lot of the stories where the devil shows up particularly in irish folklore he's not a bad guy no i mean he, he's a trickster character but he will always keep his promise he will, he will, um, and he's usually outsmarted by the, you know, the drunken lad that he yeah, meets, the, or the, you a, know, the bigger chancer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's it. It's just who's a bigger lad, like. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> There's a Scottish story which I can't remember fully, but I found it in a book of um, busy folklore about whiskey, which was uh, the first time the devil got drunk. <laughs> so there was a there was a, a small village, and there, there was a time of plague and pestilence, and there was a a man who owned a still. And he was, he was terrified that his wife and children would catch the sickness and die. So he decided he was going to go out and make sure they wouldn't. So he, um, he got a big sack. And he got two bottles of his strongest whiskey. And he went out to the crossroads to wait. And at the, at the hour of darkest night, a figure appeared at the crossroads. And of course, it was the devil. And the man held out a bottle and said, Have you tried any of this? <laughs> And the devil had never been offered a drink like this before. Normally people went through a bit more ceremony. So I was like, oh, I'll give it a sup. And the two of them sat down, each with their bottle of whiskey, and they drank. And the, uh, well, the devil had never tried anything like this. He said, what is this? This water of life. And the guy said, water of life? That's actually what we call it. It's called whiskey. <laughs> and they drank and they drank and they drank. And they got really, really... Quite hammered. Yeah, quite hammered. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the man, you know, he don't still. He, was, he had a good tolerance for it, but the devil had none at all. <laughs> And the devil, he, when he noticed that the devil was sort of having a bit of difficulty walking in a straight line, he decided now was his chance. And he said, devil, I'm terrified at the pestilence coming on me and my soul ending up in your place. This isn't a Scottish accent. What am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can't. This is just my, my folktale accent. Um, but I reckon I can wrestle you. So if I can wrestle you. If you make sure the pestilence doesn't touch me. And the devil says, ah, sure, yeah, let's wrestle. <laughs> Nothing homoerotic about this. Just two lads wrestling on the side of a river. And so they start to wrestle. And because the devil is pissed as a newt, he's not good at it. And the, the guy not only wrestles the devil, he manages to wrestle him into the bag. And he's closed off the bag and he puts it up on his shoulder and he's not walking off. And the devil starts kicking around the bag going, okay, you won, you won. Now let me go. And the guy doesn't. He keeps going and goes, no, seriously, I, I think I'm going to throw up. Please, please <laughs> let me out of this bag. And the man says, I will only let you out of the bag if you promise the pestilence never comes near my village. And the devil says, I don't know what that sound was. The devil. Yeah, maybe. Just hear it. Uh, and the devil's... <laughs> Darby O'Gill, get in! <laughs> the banshee. Sorry. And, and the devil says, okay, if you let me out of the sack, I, 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 I'll, I'll do my best. 
but there's one thing you can give me that'll help seal the deal. And the man thinks, oh, God, the devil's going to ask my soul. That's going to be the price. My life will be the price for keeping my family and loved ones safe. And the devil says, can you give me another three bottles of that water of life stuff? <laughs> and the man does. And the pestilence never comes near his village. Very good. And that was the first time the devil got drunk. Excellent. <laughs> that, that's a very half-remembered version of the story. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, but it's a, the devil is kind of just the lad, the joker, the uh, the, the mate who you'd always end up getting into some wild scrape with. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, a bit yeah. of a chancer, you um, know? Because I, I was sort of looking at, at the devil in, in sort of Irish folklore mm. and mm. I actually came, I came across an interview from, um, it was just a documentary in RTE in 2017 um, that was just, essentially it was called Evil. Um, mm. And it was, it was <laughs> I know, yeah, RTE getting dark. It's part of the Would You Believe series that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was like a two-part thing just on like, what is evil? Mm. What does it mean to us? And they interviewed um, a man called Johnny Dillon from the National Folklore Centre to sort of like ask about how it's portrayed in Irish folklore. And so he does, like he talks about it in general um, and, and sort of describes it as, you know, you as he said, you often find examples of evil expressed as a deceitful heart. So it's something that relates specifically to the human sphere and something that relates to a distortion of the truth or a deceit. But he says that obviously much more often in Irish folklore, it is personified as the, the devil, devil. Um, and he uh, well, I'll, I'll speak his words of this this little story that um i think is originally called like the priest and the devil but it seems to be like a story that sort of comes up uh, quite often it's it's one that you find in different regions around ireland and it tends to go so uh, it focuses on a priest out late at night um, as he travels to a house to offer last rites to a dying man uh, while on the road he hears a beautiful song in the valley being sung by a woman and he stops and he listens to the singing and he's totally captured by the most beautiful singing he's ever heard it starts to get quieter so he walks towards the sound until it gets louder and this keeps happening delaying him on his way eventually he comes into a field where he sees a huge black dog singing the beautiful song so now it's sometimes that is portrayed as like a, a beautiful um a beautiful woman singing um Fight for the dog and yeah, no. <laughs> so um, so there's this horrible disconnect as he realised that it's the devil who's trying to distract him from his business to the, so that the man will die without the last rites and the devil can then take his ah. soul. So this story gives the idea of the deceitful nature of evil um, as it manifests, itse- manifests itself in a kind of desire in the individual to follow something that really isn't in their own interest. And this uh, story in particular, uh, the devil was singing a song called The Lovely Milking Girl, or I think in Irish it is Colleen Dias Cruet. Nemo, so pretty girl yeah. milking a cow, which is an interesting song in itself. Man, it's like, yeah, oh, tangent. Is it one of those folk songs that's set in May? <laughs> it, well, it's a fine summer's morning, so it could be. Could be May, because any folk song that's set in May, it's always about sex. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this one, well, this one's interesting because it's essentially, you know, th- this guy going along and he hears a beautiful milkmaid singing and he goes up and he's like, oh, man, I love you. Come on, mm-hmm. come away with me. And she, it's interesting. She, he's sort of saying, you know, oh, she, she's the most beautiful jewel that you could never find in India and all of this stuff. And she, she essentially says no. Um, she's sort I've of like. cows to milk. Well, no, it's interesting. I think um, I try and find the quote, but it's it's like she's sort of saying, "Oh no, like I want to, I want to live my life and explore oh. more and learn from the world." Um, so I it's don't want to settle be... down with you. Yeah. yeah, she's probably her just being like, "Please go away, you're a creep." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm working right now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, this, to make themselves. so no. she says um, I beg you'll withdraw and don't tease me she says I cannot consent unto thee I like to live single and airy till more of the world I do see 
New cares they would me embarrass, besides so my fortune is low, until I get rich and I'll not marry, says Colleen Dias Cruta Nemo. Oh, feisty character. Yeah. But, but just to, to, to round up uh, what, with what Johnny Dillon was saying, he, he has a nice... I hope you don't mind me just reading because um, oh. I don't have a specific story here. Um, Just like, essentially, what, what did those sort of stories tell us about, about evil in mm. Irish folklore? Um, and so he says, The narratives relate largely to the bewildering nature of human experience and our constant interaction with the unknown, the infinite and the boundless. Folklore tries to give boundary and embody... That which is without boundaries through narrative, personification and symbolic form that relates to chaos and order. This is where I was getting these ideas from. Whoops. Um, There's a sense that we are surrounded in the natural world by unmediated chaos. Chaos. Everything is in enormous disarray, basically. I suppose it really points to the nature of suffering, that we are human by virtue of our suffering almost. It tries to give expression to the different modes and ways in which we can maybe stave off that suffering and maybe bring on good fortune. I think that evil transcends all of us, and even as an archetypal idea, I can't but believe in it. My view is that in modernity, we have kind of kicked out all of the fundamental reference points that used to orient, orient us and guide us. We've, we've kind of thrown away our memory and customs overboard like ballast to try and kind of race faster and faster towards nothingness. I think in Ireland and Europe and in the West more broadly, we are faced at the moment with that great emptiness. A void has manifest where there is no past, we have no memory, we have the disillusion of these kinds of forms of identity and they are replaced with shopping and playing football and so on. Okay, I, I disagree, Johnny, but anyway. Oh, no. I, oh. Shopping and football is still good too, but no, no, no it's he, good, but I, I, I do agree with what you No, said. he is yeah. making a good point. And just like it's, the final little bit is just that... Um, sorry, Emily, no, I interrupt you. Uh, no, I was just... That reminds me of um, in the, the tarot, uh, the devil is one of the, the major sort of arcana or Trump characters. Mm-hmm. And it's meant to sort of represent that getting lost in the material and sort of being distracted from your purpose by oh. uh, the, the pursuit of sort of fleshly pleasures of mm-hmm. like wealth or lust or mm-hmm. like all, all those all those quick things fixes that, quick yeah. fixes yeah, yeah. Uh, and almost being like trapped in a golden cage as well you get mm. so bombarded by the, this need to have more more yeah. and have status and that that you you sort of end up being caught up in it and unable to escape and see what is really important yeah, yeah. so that does kind of tie in interesting yeah oh god this is getting very real <laughs> uh he, he summarizes at the end that folk tradition tries to answer the why of being but in this materialistic perspective we just get the what of being it's a very good point yeah. that there is no meaning to redeem yourself and you're just left with meaningless suffering you don't have to do anything with it you can just float around in an endless moment of now not knowing anything of who you are or your traditional inclinations or what reference points your forebears used to steer themselves as stars in the night sky we are sailing in a starless sky in that sense having jettisoned our memory overboard oh yeah okay that's now making me think of a a story i I found for this in a very different way Mm. i'm thinking about the uh the blacksmith and the devil Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not thinking of it in a different way as being about memory of the past. Uh, oh, it has reframed that now, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, so I'll, I'll tell the story and then, uh, then I'll, I'll tell you what I'd initially thought and then how I've seen it reframed. Uh, but this is a, it's a folktale, it's a Russian folktale. There's, there's actually a whole branch of European folktales called The Devil and the Blacksmith. 
and then there's this different Russian one called the Devil and the Blacksmith. <laughs> just just to add, add Russia's a big place, yeah, so, just, you know. just to add confusion. So there was a blacksmith. Um, he was quite a good blacksmith. He had a forge, and he had a son, who he was trading up. His son was going to take over the forge when he passed on. And one day he was in the church, and he saw a picture. And in the picture, there in the corner, there was the devil, and the devil was there with his cloven hooves and his horns and his tail and looking like a frightful beast. And the man looking at the devil thought that. That's a really good picture of the devil. <laughs> I'm going to paint one in my forge. Because, you know, the devil's often shown in hell and there's flames, and there's fire and there's strange metal things being used to poke people in interesting ways. And my forge, it's hot, there's flames. I'm, I'm making interesting shapes of metal. I'm not poking people with them. But I, th I think, yeah, there'll be a really nice addition to the forge. So he went home to the forge and he, he painted a picture of the devil. And it was even more terrifying and awe-inspiring than the picture in the church and every day when he went into the forge he would uh, give the devil a nod and say um i salute you good morrow to you and so on and or whatever sort of the equivalent is uh, uh what's the story in russian and things were really well in the forge the forge was prosperous he was good with his work uh but then he got old and he died as happens even to blacksmiths but his son took over the forge my son hated this painting of the devil that was there every day. And whereas his father, when he came in, he would salute and sort of say, how are you doing? The son would spit on the devil painting and curse it. And he would pick up a hammer, whack the painting of the devil on the head and then go about lighting up the forge. Now, the devil had been aware of all of this and he was a patient devil, but there was only so much the devil could take. And at last, the devil decided, right, that's it. Got to do something about this. Devil um, noises coming from the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> Bunbury is snoring to uh, represent the devil. <laughs> so the devil uh, went to the mortal world, took on the form of a young man and went to the forge and said, Master Blacksmith, I am seeking an apprenticeship. Will you take me on? And this young man was just so charming that the blacksmith, of course, took him in. And well, he, he was so clever and he learned everything. In fact, in no time at all, he'd, he'd become more skilled than his master. Uh, he was so good that... Well, the blacksmith, he, he didn't really have to show up early in the morning to get the forge going. The, the apprentice would do that. And if he was going to leave a bit early, well, the apprentice would tidy everything away. And he got to the state where he could actually take a few days off. And he decided he was going to treat himself to a little bit of a holiday. He'd been working hard. And he left his apprentice in charge of the forge. And as soon as he was gone, the apprentice went out, threw the doors wide and started shouting, Old maid young! Old maid young! And an old woman was passing by and she heard this and thought what's, what's that all about and she came up and said what are you what are you screaming about and the man said i can make you young again madam that is the service i am offering and the old woman said you can make me young again <laughs> and how much would this service cost and anyone thought and said 500 rubles and she said yeah that sounds about the right price to, <laughs> to be made young all right come inside and well the young man took her into the forge closed the door grabbed her with the tongs and threw her into the fire. And she burnt down into nothing but bones. And then he took the bones and he got a pail of milk. And he dipped the bones into the pail of milk. And while they were floating around, they came together, formed into a new person. And the woman stood up, young, beautiful and healthy again. And she paid him the 500 rubles and said, thank you so much, and ran off home. And she, her husband, well, he hardly recognised her. This was the woman he had married 25 years ago. But she said, I can't be married to an old man like you. 
Oh, now that I'm young, I don't want to be shackled with you. You've got one foot in the grave. Look, get yourself down to the blacksmith and um, get him to do the same to me. Get him to throw you into the forge and then duck your bones in milk. And then, you know, we can have our youth back. And the old man said, well, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Yes, I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> and so he went to the forge. Uh, but by the time he got there, the blacksmith was back. And the apprentice was off. It was, it was his day off. And the man said, you must make me young. And the blacksmith hadn't the faintest idea who he was talking about. But the, the man would not leave and he offered him 500 rubles, 1,000 rubles, 5,000 rubles if he would do to him what he'd done to his wife. And the blacksmith thought, okay, that's a, that's a lot of money. What, what, tell me what, what happened to your wife. And the man explained that his wife had come and she'd been thrown by the apprentice into the forge and burnt down to bones and then the bones were put in milk and then she was young. And the, the blacksmith thought, okay, if my apprentice can do this, then, well, I'm the master. I, I, I can probably do that too. And so he, he took his tongs and he picked up the old man and threw him into the forge and he watched as he burnt down to bones and he was screaming an awful lot while this happened and it took a lot longer than he thought it would and there was a terrible smell in the air but at last there was nothing but bones left and he picked the bones out with the tongs and he he put them in a pail of milk and he watched and he waited and nothing was really happening and he tried sort of like to poke the bones together to get them to to form into a skeleton but they were just they were they were just burnt bones in a in a pail of milk and he began to think that he maybe had made a bit of a mistake. <laughs> so he tried hiding the, the pail and the bones away. Uh, and the, the, the woman who was now young, she was waiting for him to come back. And he didn't come back. And she thought this was strange. I mean, it would have been one thing if he'd gone off uh, to become young and had an old woman to return to. Maybe then he, he might, might take his while coming back. But he had a young, beautiful woman waiting for him at home. So something was clearly not right. So she rounded up uh, a mob, stormed down to the blacksmiths, threw open the doors, demanded her husband. And the blacksmith, well, he didn't want to tell them what he'd done, but he couldn't help sort of his eyes flicking towards the pail of milk. And they saw the pail of milk and they saw the bones. And the woman began to scream that the blacksmith had murdered her husband. And they grabbed him and they tied him up in ropes and they were going to take him out and they were going to string him up and hang him from the nearest tree. And the apprentice was coming back. Finish his day off, he had a nice time. And he saw this, this mob with pitchforks and flaming torches, and he said, What's going on? And they scrapped, This man has killed, this man has taken an old man and burnt up his bones and tossed them in milk. And the apprentice said, And oh, why'd you do that? And the blacksmith was crying, I was just trying to do it, you because you're the old woman young. And the blacksmith said, Look, I can make all this well. I can make everything fine. I can bring him back and make him young again. I'll just ask one little thing. Please stop hitting me on the head with the hammer every day. Got a terrible headache from it, and the, well, the blacksmith in that moment knew the apprentice was the devil. And he promised he would never again hit the painting with the hammer, and the devil said, Grant, clicked his fingers. From the milk arose the old man, now young, and everyone was like, Oh, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> and uh, went off and uh, presumably lived quite happily. And the blacksmith, well, every day when he went into the forge, he would just give the painting a bit of a nod. He wasn't going to greet it out like his father, but he wasn't going to hit in the head with the hammer. And so he went on. I'd love to be able to rally a mob. You know, yeah. just one day I just want the excuse. Yeah. So, yeah, pitchfork well, in one hand, yeah. fire in the other, singing that song from Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Oh. What, 50 Frenchmen can't be wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I also, I love um, the line from the, the, the full story that you sent out to us where <laughs> the wife is like, go get yourself down to the forge and make yourself young again. And I just 
I don't know why this is just so funny. To it me. is quite an amusing it just image. Says, yeah. What could the husband do? Husbands must obey. And so off he drove. <laughs> oh no. Um, so when I first read that, I thought that was just sort of like a, a an amusing story about the about the devil being a, a kind of a playful trickster, admittedly with a with a mob involved, but yeah. I mean, he's he's not it's not too bad in that story. No. I mean, two no. people end up having their youth restored, uh, but then. Taking it into consideration with what you'd been saying about the idea of evil and losing the touch with the the memory and the anchor points, yeah, it's now now I'm sort of relooking at that story as it being about the father had this ritual, mm-hmm. yeah, a tradition, of, of a tradition of sort of tradition or superstition or whatever you would may have it, and that the son was very aware of, but the son hated and tried to rebel against and literally spat upon, and yeah, yeah. And, and literally spat upon, but could not get rid of because you would think if there is a painting in your forge that you don't like you'd just take it down you'd take it down yeah. or if it's on the wall you'd wash it away or you'd paint over it but he he doesn't get rid of it he yeah. keeps it but he keeps it to mm. hate it is it is it um, sort of to remind him of his father but also yeah. completely disrespecting because yeah. there's kind of that, that obligation memory? where you yeah. feel like you have to to yeah. keep something there for at least a certain amount of time and yet, and I guess we don't we, we don't actually know what kind of relationship he had with his father. Yeah, we don't. Um, I mean, if his father was the kind of person who went into church into a church and saw this horrifying abject painting of the devil and was like, "Oh, lovely!" <laughs> Can I pop that? This boy was like six at the time. I think. I think. Can you imagine yeah. it being painted and he sees it and it's going to be like like when I saw the 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 big cat at the beginning of Tarzan when I was like six. <laughs> oh man, I freaked and I couldn't sleep for a week. So I think maybe that was like a trauma for him. Oh yeah, yeah. and not being able to get rid of the trauma and not being able to. to you're, to cleanse yourself fully of it. Yeah, because you paint over it, you're just painting over it. Yeah. It's still there. Yeah, but so you, he has but you to... can't wash it away. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we could do a whole, a very psychoanalytical into that. <laughs> yeah, and I just thought it was a, a funny story about the the, the devil, but now we found layers. But I yeah. love that type of devil, the one who yeah. is just fairly chill, and it's mm-hmm. like, but but if you mess with me that much, it's just it's not okay. Yeah. I am gonna, you know, I'm and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be pretty sneaky pretty, about yeah. it, you know, I'm yeah. pure. Um because I think that ho- that that shows a massively human aspect of the mm. devil. Yeah. Because like we've all probably done something very passive aggressive yeah. when someone you know with housemates and mm. stuff. Like yeah. Um so yeah. So the the devil shows our humanity. Yeah. Ooh, in folklore. Yeah. And the, there so. are loads of other devil stories. There's a uh, the girl with no hands, the devil shows up in that. Uh, he, he wasn't originally in it, but the brothers Grimm decided that such horrible things were happening, the devil had to be involved somehow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's uh, How the Devil Married Three Sisters, which is yeah. one of my favourite devil stories, which is great fun. And um, there's the one of how the jack-o'-lantern oh, came the jack-o'-lantern. about. Oh, yeah. the yes. jack-o'-lantern, yeah. Which again shows the devil keeps his promises. He does. And I mean, he even at the end sort of gives Jack a little bit of a like. He's like, look, I can't let you into hell, but uh, here. There you go. Have your light, you know. Yeah. He does keep his promise, and he is outsmarted again. And he's he outsmarted, and he's a good sport about it. Yes, that's, that reminds me again of the fairies. I don't know in the way that there is like, yeah, there it it always sort of makes sense. Like he sort of keeps to his word. Yeah. Now he, he might be cannot, sneaky with cannot, his wording. Cannot but... break his promise. Yeah. And there's there's actually there's a folk song called Riddle, Riddles Wide. Riddles wisely expanded. That's very difficult to say. <laughs> but it has a it has a load of different versions. Um, but two of the well, sort of the three main versions where it's either uh, a heroic knight, a fairy knight, or the devil. 
and uh, basically this young woman ends up in this situation where she's quite close to him either in bed or just in a chamber with him and uh, she basically needs to answer these riddles to get what she wants which is either to get the hell out of there no pun intended <laughs> or to uh to to get to sort of get the secure the marriage she sort of has to, to prove her, her intellect through it and she, she does answer the riddles wisely and when it's the devil often one of the last riddles is like what is more powerful than the devil it's clever woman oh. which i quite like i Very do good. like that one. It, it's sometimes a little bit more misogynistically phrased as a uh, and what is worse than a woman the devil Ah, I, I prefer uh, what I prefer. What is more powerful than yeah, the devil? The devil. Uh, yeah, clever, clever woman. woman. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that one. Yeah. But in that, it's um, the sort of the the fairy lover and the devil are used almost interchangeably because mm-hmm. it could be you know the devil trying to keep the the woman in hell or the fairy trying to keep the the woman in the fairy land. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. So. We're definitely going to have to do a, a devil part two. I think so. Because there's just yeah. so many stories. Because it also yeah. would be great to look at, yeah, sort of different yeah. regions of the world, you yeah. know. And um, I, even even in Ireland, there's, there's a lot of stories of like the devil appearing. Yeah. Keep keep your eye out. Keep waiting at the crossroads at midnight. Uh, the devil part two may be coming your way. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't actually go out at night and stand at crossroads. Well, un- unless that's you know on your way home and you're waiting for a taxi. Yeah, totally cool. Yeah, that's fine then. We didn't tell you to do it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So if you'd like this, you can get in touch with us through a variety of ways. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. On Facebook and Instagram, we are Tales from the Shadows. On Twitter, we are at Tales Shadows. Why are we called Tales from the Shadows (laughs) on the social media and Sounds from the Shadows on the podcast? Because we have a theatre group, Emily. Yes, we do. And I thought it would be simpler if we had the same name for both. And we prefer chaos. <laughs> and uh, oh, we actually did a show where we did a double story. We did. Yeah, quite recently. It went quite well. It was quite nice. It did. Yeah. Um, if you really liked the show, you can uh, support us on Patreon. Uh, yeah, you can find us there. That's the name. We yeah. Are, yeah, we are. We are there. We are. Uh, or if you just want to uh, rate, review, send us a tweet saying what you liked, what you didn't like. Do you have any good devil stories? Sure. Uh, any yeah. local devil stories? Any uh, sightings of Old Nick in your neighbourhood? Did have your you granny ever, see him? You have know? you ever personally met him? Exactly. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. What would you sell your soul for? <gasps> and what would you rent your soul for? Yeah. Oh. Oh. In this economy? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> right. uh, so I've been Emily. I've been Orla. I've been Georgia. Thank Bye. you.